going beyond the headlines, getting to the heart of the story. Calgary Today with Joe McFarland on 770 CHQR. Greetings and salutations, my friends. A happy Wednesday. Yes, Wednesday means it is Rural Roadshow time, the final of the three, as we head into next Tuesday's provincial election campaign. We are at Genesis Place in Airdrie, and one of the things that we wanted to do over the course of these three weeks is provide you a little bit of a snapshot of what people are saying, what they're talking about as they go to the polls, but also give a little bit of a profile for different sizes of communities that we have around our city. We started off in Nanton a couple of weeks ago, talking to the people there, a community of, I believe it was 2,200 people thereabouts. Then last week we were in Turner Valley, Black Diamond, where uh, the combined population is around 5,500. This time around, this community hasn't been 5,500 for a while. But just to say that they've seen population growth would be a bit of an understatement. And doing some of the demographic look, here's some numbers to keep in mind and to give you some context, especially when it comes to how much this community has grown over the last 40 years. Back in 1978, the population of Airdrie was just about 3,900. Fast forward 10 years, 10,900 and change. 1998, 17,000 and change. 2008, 34,000 and change. 2018, according to the City of Airdrie's website, 68,091. Doubling every 10 years. I believe it was 2008, 2009, I was looking. The growth from year to year was over 11%. So you think about the growth in Calgary and the issues that were surrounding 5 or 6% growth and multiply that exponentially. How have they navigated the waters? We're going to find out a little bit about that with the mayor of Airdrie. Peter Brown's going to join us in just a couple of minutes to dive into not only what his community has seen, but what they are also looking towards going into the provincial election. What kinds of things are in Mayor Brown's purview? Could it be... I think growth is going to be a big one, but when you look at that growth, you look at infrastructure, you look at education, you look at health care, you also look at jobs. A lot of people, myself included, call Airdrie home, but we work in the city. So some of the issues that are affecting us here in Calgary are also affecting those of us living in the communities just outside the city limits. So we'll talk to Mayor Brown about that. And we'll also get a little bit of an idea as to what is happening here in Genesis Place. I know a lot of people talk about a field house in Calgary. Well, this thing's got a field house. So we'll talk to Brad Anderson from Genesis Place after four o'clock as well. Uh, the Airdrie Chamber of Commerce is gonna join us as well to talk about business here in this community. Uh, because again, this is a, a massive, when you think about it, just the growth in this city. They've also had to see some uh, some growth in terms of the businesses. And then beyond that, after 5 o'clock, we're going to talk about a, a project that has been uh, on the minds of a lot of people, not only just in terms of uh, the, the need for field space, but also, hey, you know what, with a big city, you need those big, big city amenities. The Airdrie Field Turf Project is one that uh, caught my eye on Facebook living here. I thought uh, it'd be great to chat about where they're at with that process and trying to convince the movers and shakers, hey, we wouldn't mind having one of these. Chris Glass is going to join us after 5 o'clock. First and foremost, right off the bat, we're going to go to Mayor Peter Brown next here on Calgary Today. 
live from Genesis Place in Airdrie. We're joined by Airdrie Mayor Peter Brown, uh, sporting a little bit of a cold, but you're feeling pretty good? I'm ready to go, Joe. How are you? I am fantastic. Let's start with this. I mentioned the demographics right off the bat. You guys have had to deal with a lot of growth over the last 40 plus years now. You're doubling in size every year. So how have you managed to uh, field that growth and make sure that you're trying to stay as on top of things as you can? <laughs> good question. And we're not doubling it every year. If we double every sorry, year, in, every decade, every decade yeah. Yeah, we're good to go. <laughs> um, it's It's been uh, challenging, yet it's provided a ton of opportunity. People live here. I mean, when I came here, you couldn't, I've got four kids. You couldn't buy a pair of pants in town. You had to go somewhere else. So with the growth comes some great opportunities. Genesis Place was an old, uh, we had a single pool over here. We've got now three phases, so all completed. It's all really due to growth. So, yeah, you're managing a lot, but in a newer community, you don't have to worry about that older infrastructure. So we've been really fortunate um, that we've had great relationships with our business community. We've had solid relationships with our development community. And, um, you know, like you were mentioning guys earlier, like Brad's great. Chris, Chris Glass is awesome. They had a huge fundraiser already. Mm-hmm. Um, they're, they're rocking and rolling their efforts, and uh, he brought that up like a year ago, and he's already moving forward with this stuff. So that's the type of people that live in the community. We have a lot of movers and shakers in town. We have amazing volunteers. The people get connected really quickly, and I know you know this. Mm-hmm. Um, it's, um, it's a very for – for a city that has grown so quickly, we really haven't lost our identity. It's all about the people who live here, and that's really the heart and soul of what we are, and uh, it's just an amazing place to be. How important has it been over this process, and I'll say especially over the last decade or so, to kind of, I, I won't say micromanage the growth, but certainly make sure that you're staying on top of the growth and understanding the growth nodes and trying to make sure that you're being strategic about where things are going. Well, we have a plan related to everything. So there's mm-hmm. a citywide plan, obviously. We've got transportation master plans and utility plans and everything else. But at the end of the day, you know, we're, and you were, ta- we're talking about election, and one of the bigger challenges when you grow quickly is getting those overpasses, getting enough schools in time. I mean, uh, Rocky View School Division, they can bring on 1,000 kids a year, and 600 of those are coming into Airdrie. Mm-hmm. So we're always in need of infrastructure from the province. We're always in need of support. And um, quite frankly, in the last little while, we've grown so quickly, we're, we're getting a little bit behind. But you don't want to stop what you're doing because we do things really really well and uh, but we are having some pinch points and obviously moving people in the community safely and effectively is one of those things but we are continually pressing for uh, all that infrastructure and those uh, dollars that we need to uh, enhance the community and get the schools and all the things you just discussed. You mentioned infrastructure, and I want to start there because when I walked into your office in January, and the first thing I kind of noticed right off the bat is that giant map behind your desk, <laughs> and I went, uh, "What's that?" And then it's actually, I believe it was two maps, if memories are correct. It was, right. yeah. And the one map showed, hey, this is where we're going in the next 10 years. And one of the big projects that I think is uh, kind of s- slowly but surely taking place is another interchange on the, the Highway 2 south of Yankee Valley Boulevard. Correct. Where are we at in that process and how close could we be to finally seeing that become a reality at some point? Because I know a lot of people, especially doing that commute, are thinking, man, that pinch point at Yankee Valley, I'd love to have that traffic in half or a third before too long. Yeah. How much time do we have? (laughs) This could be a long conversation. You know, it's really interesting when you... you, um, we had I don't know how many different transportation ministers in my eight years as mayor, but it's there was quite a few. And uh, when you change the relationships you formed and and the the sort of commitments that you made seem to sort of uh, go go on the bye bye. But currently we have there's 
there's options available. I can only discuss a piece of it, but mm -hmm. we have an agreement in principle with the province right now uh, that Airgy uh, is on the unfunded list. Now, that's with the current government. Right. So if uh, we transition to a new government or, the, new, or the, go the government of the day is still in power, then we'll have to see how where that goes. Um, there's some uh, land acquisition that needs to occur. Uh, we have to realign Nose Creek Park. The good thing is that we're, we're shovel ready. Mm -hmm. Other than those things, we've got detailed design done and approved by Alberta Transportation. So that's a good thing. Uh, the alternative, possibly, if, if the funding doesn't come through for whatever reason, and I can't imagine if you're listening, the leaders of uh, whoever's going to be the next Premier, I hope you're listening right now. Uh, we need your support. Uh, like, like you said earlier, we're the fastest growing city in Alberta. And I think in the last 10 years, we've had $2 million invested into QB2 corridor. Wow. That's, that's just not acceptable. Pales in right? yeah. When you look at what we're doing and how we're doing things. So, yeah, I, I would say that if that doesn't come through, um, to my last thought, we're going to be looking at possibly having an on-ramp and an off-ramp on both sides, which should alleviate some of the congestion around Yankee Valley because you'd be pulling that off at different areas and putting some people on where they wouldn't have to go through the uh, Yankee Valley on-ramp and things mm -hmm. like that. So we, we, it's on it. I know people are frustrated. Believe me, uh, I see it. I come home and drive the city every day. Uh, just ask you to be a little more, uh, just a bit more patient, and hopefully we're going to have some uh, good news here coming forward. How important is it going to be, and you spoke about it the, with the provincial election campaign, and if there is another changeover. I know uh, even in Calgary, they talk about the number of municipal affairs ministers that we've seen over the last eight years or so. Yep. Same kind of thing. So how much, uh, how much are you going to be going to the provincial minister saying you guys need to speed up the process in which uh, the changeover happens and you get up to caught up to speed on everything so that we can, we don't miss a beat if we do in fact see a change in government well and the other piece is the experience of those ministers or potential ministers where you know what what's their background do, mm -hmm. do they know what you know they know the ministry they're going into and things of that nature I think from the growth management's perspective so now you know the growth management board in Calgary mm -hmm. so we're actually we are telling the government these are the projects that we believe need to be done now. We have, there's a, there was an agreed to analysis and it's all done. So we've got our list of 10 projects or eight, I can't recall. We're going to submit that to transportation or infrastructure and say, this is what we need and we all agree on it. Right. So I'm hoping that that's the stuff they're going to move on. Once we collaborate, we make the best decisions on behalf of the region rather than being individuals all going, hey, uh, I'm next, uh, Mr. Minister, where you come in and Rocky View <laughs> Council leaves just after us and Okotoks is in the back waiting right. to see the same guy asking for the same money or the same lady. It's just, um, it doesn't work. So we believe we have got a good solution. Uh, with uh, with us collaborating and getting the work done ahead of time, so we're ready to move in these projects. So whoever's going to be in government, you need to listen to the communities, you need to listen to the municipalities, and you need to follow their direction because they know their communities better than you, unfortunately, I'm sorry to say. But that is that is the key at the end of the day, is understanding those issues and getting to the heart of them because it seems as though, and, and this is this uh, precludes any, or it uh, doesn't go by party line, is that there is that aspect of needing to understand what the issues are rather than just throwing money at it and expecting the money to fix it. Absolutely. And we, we want to do it right the first time. We want to make it the, the best financial decisions on behalf of the taxpayers and then move these projects forward so they're done efficiently, effectively, and the ones that are most urgent in our region. And we know. We know what they are. So 
you touched on uh, education as well. And just a quick thought there in terms of uh, what kind of pinch are you seeing or are you hearing about as, as you listen to your residents and they're talking about it? There's a, there's a real issue here. And when you mentioned that, you know, it's, it's uh, where 6,000 of 10, or what was the, the numbers that you cited that are coming to Rocky View County well, and how many of them no, are coming to uh, Rocky View School Division. Rocky School so, Division. so just over 1,000 students and 600 or 60% approximately are going mm-hmm. into Airdrie. And if you look at that from the... From the growth perspective, I mean, at the end of the day, uh, we had no new schools announced uh, in this last budget, mm-hmm. and we're trying to understand how that works because we build a school, and as you know, there's a portables or three mm-hmm. or four or five going up. We got K to five schools with 900 kids. I mean, you're getting to high school numbers, right? So, I mean, at the end of the day, um, I, and I and I don't know what the I don't know the the real reason behind it, but we need. We need to have a, a more equitable, sustainable process in which we evaluate who needs what and when. Because mm-hmm. I read announcements every day in other communities, and I'm thinking, well, w- what about us? And not, <laughs> not being selfish, because right. I appreciate we all, we all need the same thing. But it's about equitable, sustainable funding that's not based on where you live or who your MLA is. Mm-hmm. You touched on health care just before we went to break, and I did want to ask you about health care. And there, when we had that conversation back in January, one of the things that was said, was, I said, you know, do you guys want that uh, 24-hour urgent care? Do you need a full-scale hospital? What do you need? And you talked prevention more than you talked about actual physical space. What are you thinking on this, on this front? So the community has, um, we've invested in Blue Zone. Uh, we've, the city's put up $1.5 million. Uh, we're partnering with the health cooperative here in the community. Uh, I think their new name is actually the Abrio, which will be coming out soon. Um, and you're going to see a way of living. So physically, mentally, uh, your friends, your community, where you work, how much stress you're under, how much sleep you get, all those types of things. And honestly, we're kind of paralleling what AHS has come up with their three things for next year. And I heard uh, Verna Yu uh, at one of her uh, events, and she actually talked about not health care, but health and being healthy, staying healthy, and staying out of the system. So we really are going to be moving forward, and you'll see a lot more of that coming out, Joe, in the very near future. Uh, we've got some significant funding announcements, but I would like to encourage the province. Be involved in this initiative, because the city's putting up $1.5 million, and we're not getting anything in return from, from the province. And if you look at Blue Zone and Blue Zone communities in the U.S., and there's about 47 of them, their health care costs per capita have dropped significantly. And our estimates are roughly around the $100 million mark over a period of time, and I'm talking less than a decade, that that's health care, that are directly related to health care savings. So why wouldn't we invest in, in a $6 million initiative and partner with the community? Because can you imagine now taking that 70,000 people take that demographic to the rest of the province, the rest of our communities, and show them how they can be healthier. The impact on the overall system and the cost of providing that system is enormous. Mm-hmm. We, we can't, it can't be anything but great. The other piece is we, we've got the, um, uh, we're, we have the, uh, it's uh, the um, Smart Cities Initiative, right, right with, uh, with uh, the federal government. So we'll know we're, we have two chances in 10 of winning $10 million, and it's a digital health strategy, and it's really bringing everything to an app. Now, I don't know what the app looks like. We haven't even got the technology, but it'll allow you, Joe, to get all your doctor information that you never see. Mm-hmm. You actually now will have that at your disposal. So it's, right. it's really a very cool initiative, but it also provides you every single person who, in the network of health and being healthy and uh, providing health services, 
right there at a touch. I mean, when I moved to Airdrie in 02, we couldn't find a doctor. Mm-hmm. We had to, we was a, there was a wait list. Right. Now we've got over 60, and we're, we're doing quite well there. But that would have been an amazing thing for us to have in that day. So just think of the new community and the new people coming into Airdrie. You know, you don't know where things are. Having a, an, a healthy app mm-hmm. that shows you how to be healthier, what's better? What's more important in your life than your health? And here I am with a cold, right? <laughs> Good luck to the say, person with this microphone next to you. <laughs> <laughs> we could go on for a long time, but our time is unfortunately short, Mayor Brown. I do appreciate the time. Thank you for uh, for joining us, and thank you for welcoming welcoming us into our community. We're community. thrilled to have you, and uh, anytime you want to come by, we, we just love you. And we want to thank uh, you guys for doing an awesome job. Keep up. Keep vote. If you haven't voted yet, make sure you cast your vote. Uh, this is uh, an opportunity for everyone to uh, have your say in what happens to the future of our province. It's very important. Get out there and vote. And thanks again, Joe. Agreed. Thank you much, Lee. Meet uh, Mayor Peter Brown here in the city of Airdrie. We broadcast from, again, I call it the Rural Road Show. It's not really that rural because Airdrie's got 68,000. Actually, we'll go 70. Let's just go 70,000 uh, people here in Airdrie. we got more coming up on Calgary Today. Well, the people are starting to mill around a little more and a little more as the workday is coming to an end. And we are here at Genesis Place in Airdrie, where there's a field house here. It's the craziest thing. I know here in, in Calgary, we talk a lot about a uh, field house, but there's a whole lot more on site. And to give us a little bit more of a background here, Brad Anderson is the manager of Genesis Place here. Brad, thanks for joining us today. Yeah, thanks for having me. Give us a little bit of a snapshot here and what all is on this site. Sure. So uh, Genesis Place in Airdrie, um, for those that haven't actually been here, is a, is a large multi-use recreation facility. It actually would surprise some people to know that Genesis Place is actually bigger than all those YMC- new YMCAs in Calgary. Really? So, um, you know, we uh, a lot of people don't realize that, but we're actually 450,000 square feet. So we stack up very well against those <laughs> new shiny YMCAs in Calgary. Um, we have a mix of different amenities. So we have five bodies of water in our aquatic center. We've got a water slide lane pool, uh, lazy river, uh, you know, kids pool, dive tank, uh, an aquatic climbing wall. We have a mix of a couple different gymnasiums. We have actually have a kids play center, like with one of those kind of play structures. Uh, we do have a field house, mm-hmm. which is actually two different field house, um, like field or soccer field kind of pitches right. um, that can be divided up into multiple playing areas. Uh, we have a fitness center with a full uh, 200 meter running track. We have two ice arenas, and then we also have a full gymnastic center within the facility as well. And then in outdoor athletic park that actually has a 400 meter track a uh, uh, grandstand with a football pitch so yeah quite quite the diverse facility i was just gonna say and a partridge in a pear tree as well as probably down here you have you have quite the experience we were just talking before we hit the microphones is you've been uh, at genesis center in calgary you were also at cardell place so when you stack those up and, and what did you what were you hoping to see out of this facility and what kinds of were you kind of looking at it going I got to take the best of all these different places to make the best one here. Yeah, I think the like there's a big difference definitely from Calgary coming out to Airdrie. I think um, just in terms of like, it's a very young community out here in Airdrie, mm-hmm. so there's a lot of young families. We have a very high competitive. Um, yeah, 
people trying to get into swim lessons out here. Yeah. The, the offerings that we have out in Airdrie are very different from Calgary. I'm, I'm myself, I have three young daughters uh, that are newborn three and six. And so we actually made the move out to Airdrie and got a house out here. And it so happened that the position opened up and I just thought it was a great opportunity to live and work in the um, in my same community. And that's mm. what that's really what brought me out to Genesis Place. And I think um, it's very similar to some of those you know facilities that I was at before, Vivo and Genesis Center, but uh, a lot different. And I think it really is about more about the the audience and the demographic out here. Well, and certainly the demographic seems to state, especially as you look around. And I've been in here a few different times at different times of the day, and there's always something going on here, which is always the the keys. So, uh, Brad, I do appreciate the time. Uh, we're running up against the clock. Do appreciate it. Brad Anderson, the manager of Genesis Place, where we're broadcasting from today. Thanks so much for the time. Yeah, of course. Thanks for uh, coming out and checking out uh, Genesis Place. You're listening to Calgary Today on 770 CHQR. All right, we are back here at Genesis Place in Airdrie for the Rural Roadshow continuation, the third of three installments. And joined now, uh, Marilyn All All Who's, right? I got that Very one right? Very good yes. show. Thank All right, you. I, had to, I had to do a double clutch on that one. <laughs> I apologize. She is the Executive Director at the Airdrie Chamber of Commerce. Thank you for joining us this afternoon. Thank you for having me. What, do you, what would you say is the number one issue going into this provincial election for business owners here in Airdrie? I think the bottom line is they want to know if these increases will stop. They need to have an understanding. Um, These last few years have been a real grind for this Mm. province, and a lot of small business have definitely felt the impact. So between the minimum wage, the carbon tax, the uncertainty of the pipeline and what's happening with that, they're really going to want to have a voice and have an understanding of whether or not there will be any other unexpected changes coming in the future. I think that's a big thing. We were talking off air about this is the idea that, hey, it's not like you're going to be seeing anything really repealed. I mean, it's not like you're going to all of a sudden have money in the pockets. It's just a matter of, okay, what's the course going to be in the foreseeable future in terms of, okay, are we going to see more different kinds of fees down the line or that kind of thing? Yeah, absolutely. Now that minimum wage is at $15, at least our businesses can now budget for that and, and, you know, have the foresight of knowing that this is... this is going to be the future for them. But the uncertainty and the unknowing, if there's something else that's coming down, they need they need that reassurance because business really is the backbone of our province. We do need business to be successful. And, you know, when you look at the growth of Airdrie, 70,000 population yeah. today, um, yeah, our businesses are not slowing down. And this is one of those things, too, especially in this city, is you, you kind of take it for granted a little is, yeah, you've got the big box stores who moved in recently, but you've got a lot of longtime businesses who've been here for 30 years who are, you know, mom and pop shops who are still trying to make a go of things. And that $15 an hour has a massive impact on their bottom line. Major impact. And you're absolutely right. Like, I mean, we're all excited to see those big stores coming into this city. A lot of young families, we want to shop at those big box stores, but we also really want to stay true to who Airdrie is. Mm-hmm. And it's those, it's those local businesses that really are the heart of this community. And there's a lot of them, which is, I took kind of took for granted when I first moved to town was, okay, you know, you got your big box stores and then you almost have to do a little bit of meandering around on different streets and that, especially the downtown core, but you find out that, oh man, there's something for everybody here. There really is. There are, there are some really cool stores and I know you'll be speaking to one later this uh, during your show, Homegrown is just an example. We have some beautiful boutiques. Like mm. I shop local because... 
quite honestly, I love the clothes at you know yeah. seven like Seven Saints, or I really just love the uh, ability to go in a store and actually know someone mm-hmm. and have them know my name, right? Abso- absolutely. Yeah. We're going to continue this conversation. Marilyn Allhus is the executive director at the Airdrie Chamber of Commerce. Uh, actually, I got one more question for you here before we go to uh, traffic, and that is surrounding uh, an event that you guys have tomorrow. Very timely that we're happen to be here. Actually, yes. Let's plug our political forum tomorrow evening at the Burt Church Theater. It's open to the general public, but our focus this year is truly on vote prosperity. It's an Alberta Chamber of Commerce platform where we want to give business a voice to speak to uh, our future government in this province. So tomorrow evening at the Burt Church Theater, 6.30, the doors open and come meet the candidates and give them, give them a few good questions. So you're telling me that I've actually got to rush from the office to get back <laughs> out here to, to take that. That's fine. That's yeah, cool. no, if we can get you in the door at 7, you'll still sneak in. That'll be fine. Marilyn All, who's the executive director at the Airdrie Chamber of Commerce, joining us here. And I had one final question before we get to great ideas. And it has to do with the notion of the moving goalposts. We've had Sandeep Lolly from the Calgary Chamber of Commerce join us and say, you, between the federal, provincial, and municipal governments, it felt like you're kind of kicking towards an open space, hoping it goes between the uprights when it comes to business. Is that the same kind of feeling that Airdrie, res, uh, Airdrie businesses are feeling when it comes to the intergovernmental trade issues? Absolutely. We, uh, we just just did a survey to our members and uh, we really did want to hear their their vision of where we need to go with our own advocacy because yes larger chambers in Calgary and Edmonton obviously have a huge voice and a, and a huge seat at the table but we as well um, municipal provincial federal let's all be on the same page let's truly have a vision for business for this country and um, yeah it's easier to advocate municipally mm-hmm. you know I yeah, I know Peter Brown personally I'll yeah. tell him what we've been hearing <laughs> um, but yeah in, in, in essence we definitely need to make sure that our businesses are just being heard. Mm-hmm. Marilyn, I do appreciate the time. I hope that uh, maybe some some future legislators might have gotten the message maybe uh, listening to the show. Thank you so much for the time today. Thank you for having me. All right. I don't know why I had Fieldhouse stuck in my mind just a second ago, but that's besides the point. Let's move on. Airdrie Field Turf Project. If you look it up on Facebook, it's something that in Calgary you don't necessarily think of, but when you're the 10th largest city in this province, you'd kind of like a cut of the piece of the pie, maybe, perhaps. Uh, Chris Glass is the president of said project. He joins us now. Chris, thanks for the time. Uh, thank you so much for having us here. Uh, you are a high school football coach. You're a Bantam football coach. So it goes without reason or without saying as to why this project is so near and dear to your heart. But when did this all start? When did you guys think, you know what, this is the next evolution for sports in this community? So here in Airdrie, we've been talking about a turf field for about eight years. Uh, But this got really serious come around November. Uh, I got a text message from our mayor asking us to uh, get together a group of people to look into it. And uh, we put together a group. And here we are right now, uh, quite far along in the process. So, What kinds of... Why would you have that kind of need? I mean, you ha- you have the the football guys, you have the soccer guys, but give us a sense of how many kids or how many people would be able to utilize a facility like this. Well, let's start with who can't use the facility right now. So, because uh, we only have grass fields here, you can't uh, rent them out as much as much as you could a turf field. So, with a turf field, you can go up to about twenty two hundred hours a-, a year from about. 
about 150 on a regular field mm -hmm. uh, that doesn't need watering, that doesn't need fertilizer, that doesn't need anything like that. So because of that, we can open it up to a lot more people. So it's not just the football community or the soccer community. We're looking at adding uh, the rugby community, uh, field hockey, uh, anybody else who can use a field sport because we can now use this almost uh, as much as the weather will permit. And I think that's one of the things, especially in this city, we, we've talked a lot about recreational facilities. I mean, we're sitting in one now at Genesis just Place. But, you know, you look at the, the demographics of the city and you go, there's a lot of young families here who are looking to get into whether it's hockey or baseball or football or any of the sports, they got to have the facilities to actually make that happen because otherwise they're going to go over to Calgary. Yeah, absolutely. And we're bucking the trend when it comes to football uh, here in Airdrie. It's growing. We have three high schools that have teams of 50 or more players. Uh, the Airdrie Raiders had 70 kids out for tryouts. Uh, I know the Airdrie Storm Adam and Peewee teams are looking at fielding two teams and the Bantam team had 45 kids out. So we're actually growing the sport and what we'd like to do is instead of going to Calgary, we'd like to have those games here in our home, own city. Well, and even just to the standpoint of, uh, for full disclosure, I was involved for a few years there with uh, Bantam football, and, and one of the things that it was always a crunch on those Saturdays or Absolutely. the Wednesday nights for uh, field space, and so to have that opportunity just gives another another tool in the woodshed kind of thing for those uh, for those organizations who uh, are, field, are having to not only field the Calgary-based teams, but also those who are just outside the city limits. No, oh, absolutely. Um, one of the things we have here in Airdrie, we have uh, the annual Airdrie Bowl between uh, George McDougall High School mm -hmm. and Burt Church. We get a, about a thousand people. The stands are filled. The only issue is we can't have this game on a Friday night because right. we don't have the facilities that have lights and uh, are able to be played on. So we can't make that into the event it should be. So not only would we help with the backlog in Calgary when it comes to the turf fields that they have there, we can actually turn those games into big events, mm -hmm. right? Because small towns don't, we're not a small town, but we still have that small town feel. People come out and support those events, but we just got to make sure we have them at the right times and the, the right times of night. And not only that, but you go to not only the, the, the events that are happening here with the local teams, but then you have that ability down the road to maybe bring in a provincial championship uh, or absolutely. other events like that, right? So those provincial championships, uh, you need a turf field for them to be in your city. But what they'll do is they'll bring in 1,500 people in the middle of November uh, in a time where there's not a lot of tourism going on in Airdrie. It's mm -hmm. colder. Um, and the cities actually really embrace it and have a big event around it. So those are the kind of events we're looking at landing once we get this project finished. Well, and I know talking to different communities, I mean, the Red Deers and, and the Lloyd Minsters and the Lethbridges and Medicine Hats is, you know, you're again, you're the 10th biggest city in this province. You want to be able to bring in those kinds of things because the business community is going to see a big boon from that as well. Yeah, absolutely. And, and you don't think of a, a, a field as something that can really drive uh, commerce in the city. But like I said, if you have those events coming to your city, hotels benefit, restaurants benefit, uh, everybody benefits from having the influx of people that wouldn't normally be here, especially at the times of year that they would be here. Mm -hmm. You guys had an event not too long ago. Uh, talk about that experience because it kind of uh, uh, overshot your landing maybe a little bit. Yeah, so uh, <laughs> we had the Calgary Dueling Pianos out. Um, and had them on actually yesterday. And, uh, <laughs> Weird how that all works, but anyways, continue. Oh, they're, they're absolutely <laughs> fantastic. Uh, so we were hoping to sell about 350 tickets. Uh, 
we were fretting on whether we could get to that number about two weeks before we sold out completely and then something interesting happened we had a secondary market develop where people were scalping tickets to our event it was very strange um, and we ended up uh, selling it out uh, our goal was to earn about twenty thousand dollars to give us some uh, some money to get started off and we were close to about forty grand oh, wow. so uh, the out the outpouring from the city was excellent our deputy mayor Ron Chapman was there to show his support and uh, he gave a rousing speech that everybody cheered him on with it was excellent fantastic yeah. that is great to hear and again another example of why uh, the small town field always oh, or feel gives uh, to the field weirdly enough we're talking the field turf project here in Airdrie with Chris Glass the president of of the project and we talked a little bit before the break about uh, the community involvement clearly they are on board I mean you had a goal of 20 thou and they chipped in 40s so Absolutely. from that standpoint talk about the community support that you guys have seen and and everybody who seems to be getting on board with this project so uh, our project is made up completely of volunteers as most of these uh, are but we have people coming out of the woodworks offering to help out we had so many people help us out with our dueling pianos event and now we we've got to take that support and and turn it into some action so that's mm-hmm. the, really the next step is uh for us to work with our partners with the city of airdrie find a suitable location for it and start raising the money that we need i was going to ask next steps and when you mentioned the location is there anything in mind i mean it's it's funny is when you look around this city and you drive around the city you know every corner seems to be bursting like there's some sort of development i know whether it's in bayside and the in the southeast or over in the or sorry southwest and then over in the southeast over on the ravenswood side and there's everything going on and so do you guys have a location kind of in mind or is it sort of up in the air to see what uh, decision makers have to say so i have a, like our team has a bunch of sites that we'd like but ultimately it's going to be up to the city of airdrie mm-hmm. uh, we're in no way going to dilute ourselves to thinking we could manage something like this so right. we're going to raise the money we're going to put it where the city wants us to put it, and then we're going to turn it over to them and let them decide. But there's a lot of locations that we could have in the city. Is that one of the things too that you look into when you're, we're talking about the the province or the idea of hosting provincials and that kind of thing? Is with these kinds of projects, you always look at different grants, whether it's from the province or from the, from the feds. Has there been much discussion on that front yet, or is it now now that you have that fundraising goal, now you can or that you have that fundraising cash, you can now look at that and go, hey, can you match maybe? Yeah. Well, the province has. A grant that uh, is something that we're going to apply for, right. uh, but we need to get about a million dollars to match that grant. Oh, okay. So the next step is for us to go to our business community and our partners here uh, in the community with Airdrie and, and really look to them for some support. This is going to be something for our citizens, and it's something I think our citizens should support. Do you foresee this being sort of a an idea where you can expand upon it even and I, I, there's been a lot of discussions about whether you need a, an AJHL team here for example or hey you know what there's baseball on the south side with Okotoks could you do baseball up here is, is there an idea in, or is it, has there been talks about expanding it beyond the football scope at this point or is it still uh, kind of a, a not, I, I shouldn't even say football but keep it with the field turf first well what I've noticed when we started doing our research uh, looking at some of the smaller towns that have built field turfs and and what happens is communities that don't exist prior to them pop up. Right. So, for example, we don't really have a field hockey group here, mm-hmm. but we will once we give them a facility. It's right. it's the field of dream situation where if you build it, they will come. <laughs> if we build it, we're going to have those teams step in. So for sure, no, Chris, I appreciate the the insight on the project and all the best in all your fundraising efforts and beyond. And as somebody who lives here, I'm looking forward to seeing what you guys have in mind and the location and everything else. So thanks for the time today. Well, we really appreciate it. Thank you very much, Chris. 
Glass, president of the Airdrie Field Turf Project here on Calgary today as we continue to broadcast live from Genesis Place in our rural roadshow here in Airdrie on Calgary Today. Again, some of the stories that you hear about and, and over the course of these rural road shows has been an opportunity to get to know some of the businesses. We, uh, Net and Candy Store is an example, a staple in that community, and others are just getting started. And one of those uh, celebrating just their first birthday, actually, not too long ago, is the homegrown house and pantry here in Airdrie. Lindsay Sabalski joining us now, the owner. Uh, Lindsay, thanks for the time. Thank you for having me. Why? Why homegrown, I guess, is the first question. Because give us a little bit, bit of your background because, you know, it kind of goes against common thinking, I guess, would be, oh, the economy's tough. Let's start a business. Well, homegrown, to start off, we sell everything made in Alberta. So mm -hmm. this includes food, uh, your regular groceries, clothing, bath products, clothing, um, anything you can think of that's made in Alberta, that's what we sell. Um, my background is actually in law, and I was... Of all things. <laughs> of all things, yeah. <laughs> I wanted to be a criminal defense lawyer. I went to law school in Saskatchewan. I became a lawyer in Ontario. And then um, I was pregnant with my first and moved back home to Airdrie. And I had my first, had my second, and I realized I did not want to practice downtown Calgary. And one of the things that I noticed was that there was a thriving market of mom entrepreneurs is what I call them. Mm -hmm. um, women who had children and wanted to start their own business and make money from home and wanted to sell their own products, but it was all online. And a lot of people were having problems with products that they didn't, um, they couldn't see and feel. And so right. I thought, let's bring it together and go back to our roots and put everything back in one spot. And the cool part about this is, as you mentioned right off the top, is you guys are homegrown. So therefore you're going after, and, and that's, a, that's been a big key I've, I've found over the course of these last three stops is, hey, whether it's uh, farm to plate or mm -hmm. those kinds of initiatives. And how important was that in the grand scheme of things to kind of differentiate yourself from the rest of the groups out there and the rest of the businesses that are trying to make their, their mark on the industry? Yeah, well, it was incredibly important to us. And it, it, the main thing was trying to keep it so that we had as many entrepreneurs within an hour of us. Mm -hmm. And that's because I find you go into a lot of local shops and they have things from across Canada, which is which is great to have from across Canada. But if you're really trying to promote your super close uh, economy and promote those businesses that are local to you, you need to have limits. And so for us, it was we try to get as many within an hour of us, as many female entrepreneurs as possible, and all of our vendors are from within Alberta. Over the last year, tell us a little bit about some of the successes and maybe some of the failures in terms of whether it's the economy or maybe, it ha maybe it's been good for you guys. So talk a little bit about uh, trying to navigate the waters over the last year. Yeah, um, well, especially in our first year, uh, it's a lot of um, trying out new products and seeing how they work. Um, some have been some have been shocks, um, like we had uh, felted soap, and that just continues to fly off our shelves, mm -hmm. and we never anticipated that. So that kind of blew us away. Um, but then we have some that definitely don't do as well as we are hoping. Um, we did try one thing. We tried a subscription box, and that didn't work out. But you just change and adapt and you just take what you learn and you use it to change the way that you're going to continue your business. You can't stay static, that's for sure. I won't ask you about you know, your political leanings or anything like that, but when it comes to the election and being a small business owner, is what kinds of things are top of mind for you when you're going to the ballot box and you're thinking about, okay, here's what's important to making sure the business is, is going to be good for me for the next, at the very least, next four years? Mm -hmm. um, one of the main things for me is making sure that we 
diversify our resources. And that's always been an important thing for me. Um, I understand that there's definitely certain sectors that are incredibly important to our economy, but I know that we need to diversify a little bit more so that we can have a more stable economy. Mm-hmm. From that standpoint, in terms of uh, your business operations and that, I know we, we had the Chamber of Commerce on earlier and minimum wage was a big issue and carbon tax is a big issue and that. Are those the are those also issues that are, are front and center for you or have you been able to navigate those waters fairly well? Well, so what I did was when I was preparing my business and put together my business plan, I knew that immediately I did not want to start off with um, staff at minimum wage. So I started them at $15 an hour before I even, or before it was a requirement. Right. And so I just planned for that and I continue to plan for that with my employees. It seems as though it's, it's funny. And we, we were talking before we, we turned the microphones on it. It seems kind of counterintuitive to go, okay, let's start a business in the middle of when things are, are going bad. But at the same time, if you can thrive during these times, then imagine when things pick back up again. I assume that's maybe the mindset for you guys as well. Definitely. And in my research prior to opening, I learned that even in um, bad economies in Alberta, we still spend more proportionally on retail than other places in Canada. So that was definitely a contributing factor to pushing me to starting my business. Were there any programs or that that really helped you out in getting your foot into the door of, of this venture? Yeah, I was uh, part of Smart Start, which was a program set up by the city of Airdrie, where they train new entrepreneurs who either have an idea or they have an existing business. And um, it was incredibly resourceful and such an amazing program. And I actually just ran into my mentor just as I was coming in here. And the relationships that you build with the other small businesses around town has helped tremendously typical small town. You always run into somebody as you're going from point A to point (laughs) B, right? That's fantastic. Uh, Lindsay Sapolsky is the owner of Homegrown House and Pantry here in Airdrie. Lindsay, thanks so much for joining us. Thank you so much for having me. When we open up the show today here at Genesis Place in Airdrie, I walked you through some of the demographic numbers. Back in 1978, the population of this community was just under 3,900 people. As of the census of 2018, 68,000, to give you an idea. It's basically doubled every decade. And so with that, as I look at the political future of this area, I go... It probably stands to reason as you go through the history that those ridings have changed almost every time we go back to the polls. So if you go all the way back to 2004, this part of the province was actually known as Airdrie Chestermere when it comes to ridings. Carol Haley was the PC MLA at the time. Then Rob Anderson took over from 2008 to 2015. Now, he was one of those who crossed the floor not once but twice because he went from the PCs over to the Wild Rose in 2010 and then back to the PCs in 2015 as part of that uh, much ballyhoo, much talked about floor crossing featuring a certain somebody who happens to be on this radio station now and ended up losing the seat in 2015 to the current MLA Angela Pitt. But going into this election campaign, Airdrie is actually split into two. You have Airdrie Cochrane and Airdrie East. Now, three of the four main parties have candidates in both of these ridings. The governing NDP was Steve Durrell in Airdrie Cochrane, Roxy Baez Zamora in Airdrie East. When you go down the list, in Airdrie Cochrane, you have the Alberta party with Verna. 
Rom I can't even read my own writing here. Romacock. Then you have uh, Peter Guthrie with the UCP, Independence Party Danielle Cameron, and Freedom Conservative Party candidate Matthew Morrissey. Over in Airdrie East, you also have the incumbent Angela Pitt with the UCP. Independence Party, Jeff Olson, Freedom uh, Conservative Party, Rick Northey, Alberta Party, Alex Luterbach, and Independent, you don't hear many of those nowadays, Richard Herdman vying for the vote here. It is a conservative stronghold. The question becomes, especially with this changing demographic here in this part of the provinces, are people here still feeling conservative or are they being overtaken by people who aren't necessarily traditionally conservative? It'll be an interesting question and it'll be answered in less than a week. Yes, we are just six days away from the election campaign. And going back to the uh, text line for a second, 403-974-8255, I did ask how people are feeling about the advanced poll lineups. One texter saying, long lineup at Oak Ridge Mall went out the door, but it was all done in 10 minutes. So very quick. I've heard a lot of good things over the last day or so about how quick it's been to be able to take advantage of the advanced polls. So if you can... By all means, do that. Then you don't have to wait until Tuesday to battle the lineups there. We are going to be back in studio tomorrow. We're going to try to continue our conversations with the party leaders. We'll also uh, dive a little bit more into a couple of other big topics of concern as we get closer and closer to that election debate. Uh, it'll be really, really interesting to see how the last few days of this election campaign roll out. You're listening to Calgary Today on 770 CHQR, live from Genesis Place in Airdrie. Thanks so much for listening to the Calgary Today podcast. You can find it on iTunes, Google Play, and tune in. When you do, don't forget to write the show and leave a comment. Until next time, my friends.